This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. I, I kind of push back a little bit at this language of find your people. I would say just notice your people. Like they're already there. People are around us. It's not about choosing them, but it's about um, embracing and accepting each other in all of our quirks, in all of our frustrations, in all of our differences. What does it look like to be a good neighbor? And what are the practices that we might take today to get to know people in our actual neighborhoods? Whether you've been there for 30 years or you've recently relocated, this conversation with author Shannon Martin around her new book, Start With Hello, is sure to give you a lot of food for thought. Listen in. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. All right, friends, we are here chatting with my friend and author, Shannon Martin. She recently is releasing the book, Start With Hello, and Other Simple Ways to Live as Neighbors. So thanks for being here, Shannon. Thank you, Ashley. It's so good to be back. It's so fun. Yeah. So tell us, I mean, all of your books are about neighborliness. They're about the ways that God has upended your own life to be an on-the-ground neighbor. So tell us, tell us a little bit about Start With Hello and how it might differ from your previous two books. I would love to. Yeah, this, this certainly seems to be a specific lane that I've <laughs> fallen into, um, which, which I love. I mean, it's, it's the thing I care about and think about probably more than, than most other things. And so, you know, I just keep, I, I guess I was talking to a group of other writers, like, how do you know when you're done writing on a theme. And for me, it's like when, when I run out of questions, you know, and I just haven't run out of questions yet. So yeah, all three of my books, this is my third book. My first book, Falling Free, was kind of just my kind of waking up to this idea of, oh, wait, maybe we really are supposed to live with community in mind. You know, it was like eight years ago or six years ago or something crazy like that. And just kind of we were new in our community and, and a lot of a lot of things were shifting around in our life. And then my second book, The Ministry of Ordinary Places, was kind of my, okay, here we are, now what? Um, and just leaning deeper into who is my neighbor and why does this matter? And start with hello is the how do I do it? So it is by far the most, I mean, they, they definitely have that through line in common between them of community and the importance of knowing and being known by our neighbors and needing our neighbors. But this one is by far the most practical while still being 
rooted in story because I am a storyteller at heart. That's how I learn and that's how I understand things. And so there's still that element of story, but it's it's written in a much more practical, um, simple and direct way. And another another point of difference with this one is this is my first book that is not distinctly written as a faith-based book. So it is very much, you know, anything I, I talk about or write about is informed by my faith um, as a Christian, but this is not a book with Bible verses and, you know, those kinds of things like my my first two books had. Although, you know, I do talk about church and our small group and things like that because those have been key points of connection and community throughout throughout the past 10 years of my life. Yeah. What what prompted that shift away from kind of a Christian living, maybe more genre um, into something a bit more practical? I, I honestly just wanted it to be, because this is a book about um, people, no matter where you live and what your life looks like, engaging around the idea of of coming to know and lean on the people closest to them. I it, To me, it felt important that that be accessible to a wide variety of people. You know, so I'm writing in this book about the importance of, of, of being in community on some level. And, you know, those levels, we have all different kinds of, of levels and layers of community, but that we should have a layer of community with the people near us and specifically people who don't look, live and believe as we do. And so if that's kind of a, you know, part of the heartbeat of this book, I didn't want to exclusively limit that to people of a Christian faith or, you know, more evangelical leaning or whatever the case may be. So it's, it's going to be a book where, where my faith, the importance of my faith comes through, but I want it to be the type of message that if you're not a person of faith, or if you're a person of a different faith expression, that this book is just as accessible and just as practical for you. Um, how has social media made us better or worse actual neighbors on the ground, do you think? You know, I think in in the context of this conversation, one of the, I, I devote a whole chapter to the idea of hospitality. And it's such a fancy word. I never, I never stop being frustrated with that word. I have started referring to it in my own life as hot mess fatality, because that's how it feels more <laughs> to me. Um, but I think there's, there's like a, a certain kind of magic that happens when we get more comfortable opening our homes and our patios and, you know, ourselves as people to others. Um, and, and that's an area where I would say specifically Instagram has put up barriers between us by, by giving us this idea that other people have things more together than we do. And so I, I, I think social media has brought a lot of meaningful connection into my life. That's how you and I know each other for one thing, you know, so there's, there's plenty of opportunity for growth and actual connection on the internet. We have people from all different points of view and different lenses on the world. You know, we're, we're able to learn from them and, and, and kind of see the world a, a bit differently through their eyes. So there are plenty of good things, but this idea of specifically our homes being not enough or causing a certain level of shame or embarrassment, or just giving us that feeling that what we have is not enough, we are not enough. And so we just simply decide that 
that hospitality is not for us and we keep that door closed. And I, I just see that as, as, a, as something we constantly have to push through, myself included. Yeah. What sort of practical things have you noticed, um, even just thinking about social media and our actual neighbors? So if we have like virtual neighbors and then, you know, flesh and blood proximate neighbors, how have you kind of figured out that balance um, between being hospitable online, um, but then also making sure that that doesn't stand in for maybe some of the harder, you know, rubbing sort of sense of community that we, we might experience on the ground? Yeah, I think online connection and in real life connection, they both have their pros and their cons. You know, there are things about each of them that make them a little easier and make them a little harder. I know for me, it spending time with, you know, face to face with my actual community, with people immediately around me who can honestly be challenging in various ways. Like that's the that's the deal with actual real life community is that we don't it's not about picking our community. It's not about like, I, I kind of push back a little bit at this language of find your people. I would say, just notice your people. Like they're already there. People are around us. It's not about choosing them, but it's about um, embracing and accepting each other in all of our quirks and all of our frustrations and all of our differences. And it's in those relationships that build slowly over time in a lot of ways that I feel most myself. Um, it's in those relationships where I don't feel like I need to be putting on airs or trying to spruce myself up or my home. Um, I don't have to, I, I can just simply be, and I can, I can be known just as I am. And it's, it's in that practice of really prioritizing those types of connection that I, I, I think that that sort of connection carries it can carry us. It can carry out into other parts of our lives. It can, it can kind of bleed into our social media presence. I think it should. I mean, I think the goal is to be authentically who we are and to also be people who are open to uh, changing and growing all the time because those things are always happening too. But I just want to be, I just really want to be my true self, whether I am on Instagram or whether I am in Goshen, Indiana. And it's, it's through kind of leaning harder against my Goshen, Indiana life, that that is uh, most possible and most, you know, kind of closest to the surface for me. I just, I think being rooted and grounded in our place, it makes us more vulnerable and it makes us more tender and it makes us um, more empathetic. And just, there's so much goodness that comes from cultivating those, those relationships. What would you say to someone, you know, maybe someone who's moved during the pandemic? We've moved twice now. Um, you know, what or just like where we live now, it's like people have lived here for 30 years. And so they've kind of got their, you know, they've got their people and they know their 10 neighbors and they might not be interested in in the, the expansion of neighborliness. So yeah, what would you say? And your book is really helpful and practical. So what would be a few things from Start With a Low that would help us either if we, you know, are new or maybe we're kind of locked into some patterns that we really should be unlocked from? Yeah, I think most of us, if we're being honest, don't have the kind of connection with the people really close to us that we even, you know, I was going to say that we, that we wish we had, I think 
honestly, a lot of us don't even know that we wish for that. But I think we are longing for that in a way that we might not have even admitted to ourselves. I think there is just, it's, it feels kind of old timey, you know, like this, I, like, like it feels kind of like, oh, that's how things used to be. And I think there's, there's a part of us that if we were being really honest, likes the idea of, of just, you know, having actual community around us, but it, it scares us for a lot of different reasons, or, you know, we, we feel too introverted. We feel too busy. Um, maybe we've lived in our place for a long time. Like you said, Ashley, like we're locked into some patterns. And at this point, you know, if, if we've been here for six or eight or 10 years, it feels kind of awkward to, to go next door and be like, Hey, neighbor of 10 years, I don't know your name. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. But I do think if we imagine ourselves on the other side of that, that's what I do all the time. Like imagine yourself and, and one of your neighbors who's been there for 10 years shows up and says, you know what? I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but I don't know your name. And I just, I would like to get to know you. I would like to know who you are. Um, I just think most of us would not think that was stupid. I think most of us would feel um, really valued and would find that to be just such a kind gesture and such a kind of an open door and a new beginning. And so I have to always kind of flip that script on myself because I, I, I tell myself all the stories, like it's going to be way too awkward. Um, it's too late. You know, that ship has sailed all these things. And, and the reality is it might be kind of awkward. I, I wish I could have written a chapter of this book on how to avoid all awkwardness, but I don't know the answer to that. That's not a chapter I could write, honestly. And so what, what I can say is we can just expect things to be a little awkward because we're all just kind of ordinary people bumbling through a really complicated world and busy days and hard years. And we are doing our best and there are going to be, there are going to be bumps and, and tumbles as we do that. But, but we can sustain, we can survive a little bit of awkwardness and, and we can just know it's going to happen be ready for it and push through. But yeah, I would say no matter whether you're new in the neighborhood or old in the neighborhood, it's not too late to start to be a little more intentional. Like it's not too late to say, this is day one for me. I want to get to know two people on my street. A great way to begin is to start taking walks in your place. And I know that's easier in some places than others, but you know, the title of the book, Start With Hello, it's amazing to me how difficult it was to title the book because once we landed on that, it was like, oh, you know, that's perfect. And it makes it makes so much sense because any relationship we have started with a simple hello. Like that's where everything begins. And it is never too late to to kind of make a, a little bit of a shift or a turn and, and chart a new path and just say, we want to be people who who know and are known by the people around us. So show up with uh, baked goods, that always helps a little bit. Um, I mean, food never hurts, but the other, one of my favorite, favorite tips, and it's, it might feel a little challenging to people, but I don't think it needs to, is to, you know, once you make those initial hellos to, to allow that relationship to grow is to ask for help, you know, to ask to borrow a rake, or can you pick up the mail while I'm out of town? I mean, those are the things that build trust between us and, and can be such fruitful ground for building those lasting relationships that ultimately make us feel more safe and secure and connected. 
I just um, interviewed Bonnie Christian, who wrote a book called Untrustworthy, all about our knowledge crisis and how we're super polarized. And she actually talks about, as a journalist, um, she calls it, it's it has a name, I didn't know this, um, the Ben Franklin effect, where um, I guess Ben Franklin gave this guy who was on the opposite side of the political aisle a book or, or asked to borrow one of his books. That's what it was. And it was the sense that usually we think when we help people, right, that that will be the foundation for relationship. But actually what what actually builds relationship is by asking for help, right? He asked like, hey, can I borrow that book from you? And because I, yeah, I know you've read it and I would really appreciate reading it too and we can talk about it, you know, and so – um, there you go. It's a thing. I love yeah. that. I, you know, I just, her book landed on my door yesterday. So I'm excited to dig into that, but that's, yeah. I mean, I think the idea of, we would always rather be the one with the butter, you know, like if we want to be the one that, because if somebody comes and asks me to borrow a book, I love the feeling of like, of course, here you go. Like, I love to be the one that saves the day. I think we all feel that way. So we have to be, if we are not on both sides of that coin, then then we're not really living as neighbors together. And, and so we've got to get, we we are trained, most of us in America, to, to be, to not need anybody, you know, to be these fiercely independent people. And it's just, it's to our, it's to our great loss. So, you know, I, I know that for a lot of us, it's like, oh, gosh, I would much rather I asked on Instagram recently, just last week, would you rather when it comes to hospitality, would you rather offer hospitality and receive and almost everybody said offer <laughs> like receiving it, it feels so vulnerable. And that's kind of the point is that when when somebody asks me for help, I know that that's where the bar is now set. Like if, if you're going to ask me to borrow a book, I know I can ask you to borrow a book. And that is a wonderful thing. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. So what do we do? I think, you know, uh, in this day and age, when we have, you know, signs in your yards and you write about, yeah, some of that that challenge um, where it's very much like we've moved – we've moved our ideals or how we vote to be like ideological statements and we've put them on our physical houses. How do we be neighbors, right? When those, when those things, when we have warring signs, you know, maybe in a neighborhood, how do we begin to, to create thicker communities? Um, 
yeah, I mean, your own politics have shifted and it's not just politics, it's any number of issues, but how do we begin to actually be neighbors with someone who is ideologically opposed, uh, you know, from, from us. And I think that's what we're seeing so much online, just hate spewed, you know, towards, towards people, but any thoughts there? Well, and, and recognizing like, like coming down to a really human level where we can say it's in me too, you know, like, of course I would love the idea of living in a world where everybody saw things from from my same vantage point and we agreed on everything but the reality is in so many ways that's that's what i intentionally left you know 10 years ago and and found myself in this place of a lot of difference and a, a lot more um complexity and and the challenge for me now is to not kind of recreate a different kind of echo chamber i think it's so hard to be in relationship with people for all those reasons you just listed, Ashley. But I also think that's where in our neighborhoods, for many of us, that's just the reality. The reality is I am, I have been planted and rooted in a place where there are people on both sides of me, some who I really see the world from the same vantage point and some who I really don't. And and like you said, like the dueling flags are a thing. Um, I have had signs in my yard that I know some of the people around me probably love and some people around me probably hate. So like, it's, it's so important to recognize that in all the ways we can sometimes other people, that means we are also somebody else's other, you know, like we are the stone in somebody else's shoe. And, and it just helps to, it helps me to remember that because it's like, but I'm a great person. Like you could still, like we might disagree on politics or whatever, but I mean, we can still be, we can still have conversation. We can still, you know, da, da, da. If that's true of me, then, then I need to be open to the fact that, that it is true for them as well. And so I guess, you know, I'm thinking of a particular neighbor who flies a particular flag from their porch and it's very challenging for me and it's complicated. And, you know, we can talk about boundaries and all those things. And I write about, about those things and start with hello, because I'm, what I'm not saying is like anything goes right. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. but I can also say that my social location is as a white woman in my neighborhood. And, you know, that brings different meaning for different people. Um, and others, you know, come from a different social location. All the, all these things are present, but with this, with this one particular neighbor, as frustrated as I feel sometimes, and I do, I also know they have had dinner at my table. And, and when we know these things to be true, I always know that if I really needed them, they would have my back. And I hope they know the same of me. And I think they probably do. And so it's like, it creates this other layer of tension that is ultimately like a helpful and even a healing thing where it's like, you know, just when, when you get ready to like write somebody off, you know what, you know, you know, it's like when, when you know faces and names and you've had conversations and I mean, that is something that can be, you know, it's some type of a foundation that can be built on. It's some level of trust that can be built on. And, and that's the, the necessary complexity that, that neighborhoods bring us because, you know, we just, we're going to get a little bit of everything. And if we can, if we can decide 
that we're going to operate at a at a just minimal level like a starting foundation of of empathy and kindness and curiosity um and and choosing to really see each other as fully human i think we can we can make some inroads i really think we can what um fuels some of this, you, you know, if someone's reading this or even just thinking about your own commitment to neighborliness and, and knowing people and whether that's like you were saying when your kids were younger, the the walk to school, no matter the weather, um, what fuels this desire um, for you particularly? And what, what can fuel some of this change, do you think? Because I'm just struck listening to you, you know, as we look out over the social media landscape, there is right. We we can choose to silo, right? We can choose to to only follow people who think and and believe the exact same things, and we can, you know, you just you, crazy attacks you see if you just search anyone who has any sort of platform or prominence. You search their name, and there's very there's evil, slanderous things said of them. Yeah, right, um, right. You know, and so yeah. How do we in our actual neighborhoods then begin to build some of these thicker relational ties that help us then see across aisles or, you know, um, and what fuels that for you? I think so many of us have family situations that are, that feel so complex and painful and, um, kind of almost impassable. Like, you know, these differences, not only do they exist in our neighborhoods, they exist in our, in our, in our families and and i think that's where you know the stakes are just a little lower in the neighborhood when we compare it to parents or siblings or you know on and on it goes um i think it's a good it's kind of a good little exercise or practice or training ground because it's just like like being sharing a street together sharing the same garbage man the same mailman the same school building that's different than sharing Thanksgiving dinner. I mean, it's just a different level. So, I mean, to, to answer your, your question on, on what fuels this, I would say when we moved into this neighborhood 10 or 11 years ago, and we very much went from kind of living this siloed experience to living in a place where we were just surrounded by diversity of all kinds and, and complexity and difference. Um, when I started to get a taste of, of what does it look like to allow myself to live curiously, to allow myself to, um, to, to become a, better at listening and to talk less, to say less, um, to, to not see difference as dangerous in some way. You know, I had all of this baggage that I brought with me and, and what I found over time, you know, my husband, is the chaplain at the county jail and has been for, I don't know, eight years or so. So even that, like, like having close friends who were rebuilding after incarceration or um, rebuilding through addiction, you know, the, these things that I, I didn't really have a lot of exposure to. And so it was, it was different for me. It was complicated and heartbreaking many times, but it also just, it was, it was and is life-giving and um, just sweet to be in relationship with with people who struggle differently than we do 
life got funnier. Life got richer. I mean, I just, I walked away from some of those early encounters wanting more, some of those earlier relationships wanting more. Like we start to just kind of crave this complexity because I think that is, you know, as Christians, we talk about this idea of the abundant life and we get it wrong sometimes because we think of it as all good things, like only good things. That's abundance is like the best and the most. And, and, and what I think abundance actually means is that we get it all. We get the, we get the hard and the good, we get the celebrations, but we also get the suffering. And when you compress all of that together, like all of us living our ordinary lives and, and kind of crashing into each other and, um, sharing burdens when we are able and, and sharing meals when we are able that is that is the the life that we were built to live. You know, we were we were created to know each other and to need each other. And so it it can be this little bit of like, just trust me, you know, like we when when we can push through some of our hesitations and some of the things that that keep us walled off from each other, we get those little tastes and we just want more. But but it it often just means that somebody's got to go first, you know, somebody's got to kind of put themselves out there a little bit and that can feel scary and risky and, and all those things. And so I wrote a whole book on ideas to make that feel simpler because it's, it's not about, you know, this is the fruit of 10 years of intentionally trying to orient my life around my identity, my spiritual identity of neighbor. And, and I still, don't know it all. And anything I do know, quite honestly, I've learned from my neighbors. So it's not about like, read this book and change everything about your life. It's like, read this book and and find one little thing, you know, one little step, because those, all of those little steps count and they all build on each other. And, and what we, what builds is that, that layered, um, delicious abundance. Tell us quickly, just as a little practical tidbit before we end about, so, okay, you go on your neighborhood walk, you start saying hello to people. Like what's the, what's the medium step, right? Like, I feel like we can kind of get just stuck in those pleasantries and you kind of, maybe you see, but you don't know how to like bring it on to like, would you like to come over for dinner? Like, so what are some like practical suggestions for medium neighborly yes <laughs> yes I love that question it's so good medium how do we be medium neighbors <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think you're right I mean we can get stuck and and I think back on so many stories that I've, I've written some of these but those those hellos that seem to drag on forever we can let that work be very slow it doesn't mean that nothing's happening it means that like good work is often meant to be slow work but at some point you do want to graduate from just a hello. I think just being being intentional and attentive is like ground zero. Like if we can just start paying more attention and being more aware of opportunities as they come up, because those opportunities will kind of drop into our hands. We want to be awake and available when those moments happen. But to get from like saying hello to want to come over for dinner, I would say do you want to go for a walk with me? Like if you're walking and you see somebody else walking and you've passed each other enough times that, you know, you've graduated to maybe like short conversation or just, you know, thinking of dropping kids off at school or athletic stuff, you know, we see other moms and it can be so easy to, to settle in on just kind of chit chatting 
for small moments of time, but to just say, hey, I'm going for a walk or I go for a walk every Friday morning. Would you ever want to walk with me? That's a that's a good medium step because it, it's we're not kind of opening our homes yet. We don't have the pressure of of, you know, presenting or creating or baking or buying a whole meal. Um, it's free. It's available. And then I also from there would say, you know, um, patios are great. Like that's the next level up is like, want to do you want to come over for a campfire? Do you want to sit on my patio? The one, the the only thing, and I don't, this isn't even necessarily always needed, but the one thing that the one like item we need is just a glass of water, like offering somebody a glass of water or a can of LaCroix or, you know, whatever the case may be, but it doesn't, we, we have to take the, the perspective away from like, oh my gosh, now I have to cook dinner for all these people. That's so intimidating and just find, find ordinary ways that we are already, um, kind of connecting in our regular life and team up. Yeah. I like it. Thank you. Good. Thank good. you. Yeah. I love, yeah. It's cause it's those, those in between, you know, kind of sp- yeah, spots, the, yeah. the medium <laughs> friendships that can be hard. So thank you for helping us think practically about that. Yes. Um, all those yes. steps can matter for sure. Yes. Yes. Um, and so as we conclude, what does your laundry routine look like these days, Shannon? Well, I just a moment ago heard my, I was afraid my washer just dinged. And I thought, oh, that was so loud. You might have heard it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm running laundry right now. Um, I've been traveling for work. And so laundry is behind. But here's my, my, the one thing I'll say about my laundry routine is that that is the one thing I feel like I've done an okay job with my kids is that they have been in charge of their own laundry from the time they were in first grade. Nice. I mean, they, and we have, we have, you know, things that come up, but my, my whole thing is you got to get it in and out of my laundry room all in the same day. Yeah. Do they <laughs> have the like goal. different so, days or do you have to like bug them about what, when they I do don't, it or they I'm, just do it? I am hands off on it completely. My, my 17 year old son probably could be reminded <laughs> more than the others. My other two are like, Usually over the weekend, they yeah. just, I see him dragging their laundry hampers downstairs. Um, he, he, I guess, has different standards on how yeah. often he needs to yeah. wash his clothes. But I, but I'm mostly just choosing to like, hey, he's, he's leaving the house. He's going to college in a year. He's got to figure this out. But yes, yeah, surrender that to your children. Let them start to, you know, learn how to do it and, and take care of that task. And it just makes life easier for everybody. For sure. For sure. Uh, yeah, we're getting there. All of my kids can do their laundry, but they do need the little prodding. Like, how long has it been? Has it been like two weeks? I don't think you have that many socks. This is not great. <laughs> exactly. Like, I know how many pairs of underwear I've bought you. The other thing that we run into is just like washing. It's it's the same with me. Like, the hard part is the folding and putting away. And so sometimes I'm, I'm like, did you really fold that and put it away? Or is it are you just leaving it in your hamper and the next week you're going to bring it that all yes. down and wash yes. it again? Sometimes I think that might yes. be happening. Those are definitely <laughs> the same problems in the Hales household. <laughs> Laundry's it hard. Is, it is. But thanks for being here and encouraging us to, yeah, to be good neighbors. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. I loved it. Thanks, Ashley. You're welcome.
Friends, I hope that very practical conversation helped you think about how you might be a really good neighbor, how you might receive as well as give. You can grab a copy of Shannon's book, Start With Hello. It's linked in the show notes. And just a quick mention, that conversation with Bonnie Christian will be coming out next week. Friends, it is a delight to have you here. Thank you for being here. Please subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts because it helps people continue to have these good conversations, not just listening to them, but as we go about our days in our actual neighborhoods as well. And I want to leave you with one small step, something small you can do this week to begin to put into practice Shannon's thoughtful advice and put it into practice in your week. And so I would suggest just a few things. One, try to go for a walk and start with hello. Say hello. In our new place, there are some walking paths that I tried every day just for a half an hour, and I've just begun to say hello. And part of that might be taking out your earbuds so that you can actually look someone in the eye and say the words hello. So take a walk start with hello is your very first thing. And if you're thinking about maybe what's that next medium step, maybe it's inviting someone in for for a walk. Maybe it's going out for a cup of coffee, or maybe it's simply asking a neighbor for a cup of flour. So think about ways that you can go maybe one step further with someone that you would like to get to know in your community. Remember, all of these things matter, but so does your laundry. 